there we are. Welcome to Celebration Church. Glad to have you all with us as we are on our typical Wednesday night Bible study. Tonight is already different than our typical Wednesday night Bible study. If you haven't been there for a while, typically on Wednesday nights what we do is we just start right at 645, open up the Bible, and just start teaching. 745, I shut up. That's what happens. So there's not singing and all this stuff that... Uh, associated with a typical service. Why are we doing that tonight? Well, tonight, a few times a year, we have a special baptism night where we have people who've been making commitments to Christ uh, over the last few months and have decided to uh, get baptized. Some made decisions a long time ago, just now getting to baptize, whatever. We're glad they're finally doing it. So anyway, let's give it up for all the people getting baptized tonight. I want to welcome our campuses over in Stevens Point. People getting baptized there as well, as well as in Appleton. In Appleton, we have a special thing going over there. We want to welcome Pastor Alvin Dupree and the Family First Ministries are joining. A local church over there joining with us. Some of the people are getting baptized tonight. So give them a hand. Pastor Alvin is in the house. Hallelujah. So we're honored that uh, you're joining together as uh, just part of Christian fellowship and doing this thing that all Christians should do. Uh, so all I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to do a little basic Bible study about baptism, some ideas and concepts about what it really means and stuff, and then we're going to break away from the connection to our campuses, and then each campus is going to have their baptism. I think there's two people being baptized in Stevens Point. How many here tonight? Uh, like 11, 12. 11 or so here. Appleton wins the crown tonight. 13 over there. Hallelujah. Of course, they're cheating. They got another church in with them, but <laughs> that's all right. We'll take it. Praise the Lord. So, uh, very cool. All right. So, baptism. Let's talk a little bit about baptism. Baptism, is, baptism really has kind of a curious start to it. Most of our uh, major sacraments or rituals or whatever things throughout the uh, Bible have very clear beginnings that we understand what happened. For example, Marriage, marriage, God established marriage back uh, in the Garden of Eden. It's the only sacrament, the only special thing that we still do today that actually existed before everything got messed up. You know, so that's why we take it so seriously. This is when everything was perfect, God instituted the, uh, the uh, sacrament of marriage. And we, we take it very seriously, so we know how that all happened. Uh, down the road... You know, other things, for example, when uh, God spoke to Abraham about circumcising the men, you know, we don't do that <laughs> in churches. Praise be to God. <laughs> Hard enough to get guys to come to church. And, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> we know that God came and spoke to them, and it, they got started, and that's okay, very clear start. This is where it came from, all right? Uh, Passover, again, we don't do this, but for Jewish people, uh, Passover, actually Jesus did his Passover just before he went to the cross, and we call it the Last Supper, and that's where we get the idea of communion and stuff. So it's kind of a, a jump off of that, but the whole idea, idea of Passover comes from when all these plagues were coming into Egypt, and uh, uh, you know Pharaoh was getting hammered uh, by the judgment of God because he wouldn't let the people go. Moses said, let him go. I'm not gonna let him go, and God would just hammer him. He's okay, I quit, and then... As soon as they quit, the plague stopped. He said, I ain't letting them go. <laughs> that was a moron, man. <laughs> One thing after another. Finally, God sends the death angel and warns the children of Israel that the death angel is coming. And if you want the death angel to pass over your house to mark it 
with the blood of a lamb, gave very specific instructions for that. And the death angel passed over them, but afflicted the Egyptians. And that's finally when Pharaoh and the Egyptians said, oh, just go. They couldn't take it anymore. And to this day, thousands and thousands of years later, they still celebrate Passover. So again, very distinct, you know, distinct thing that happened. Uh, we get to, you know, Mount Sinai, and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and starts the law. Again, all really clear where it started, how it started, why it started, everything. All the details are, are there. Uh, many of the uh, celebrations, holy days that... Uh, the Israelites, Jews still to this day, celebrate, have very specific uh, meanings. Uh, the celebration of Purim is one of those that uh, comes from the time that Esther uh, saved, uh, helped save the Jewish nation from those that were just wanting to kill it. So they still celebrate that to this day. Okay. Uh, even as Christians, we have communion, as I just mentioned. We know exactly what happened. It was the Passover and then Jesus does this shift, and he says, he now symbolizes the bread as his body, the wine as his blood. He knew what was about to happen. He told them to do this, and as often they do it, to do it in remembrance of me, which is really significant, because why would he have to say, do this in remembrance of me? Because he knows people. We forget, right? Everybody forgets everything. <laughs> You know, and, uh, and you see this everywhere in our, our, our culture today. People forget where we came from, what things are about, and, uh, you know. So uh, one of the things that we're supposed to do as Christians uh, at Celebration Church, we do it, you know, every Sunday. Most evangelical churches do it once a month or whatever. But the whole point of it is to remember this is why we're here. This is what this is about. Communion, very, very clear. We celebrate things like Christmas, which is... Now, in the season for Christmas, interestingly enough, the Bible never tells us to celebrate Christmas. Do I have a problem with it? No. You don't want to celebrate it? I don't care. <laughs> Just send me a present anyway. <laughs> but, but the Bible is specifically, but even still, lots of detail, right? We know all about the Christmas experience and how it happened and Mary and the angels and, you know, and the manger with goats and what are pigs? I don't know if it was there. A lousy place to be born, I'll tell you that. So, you know, and a wise man, and then, the, you know, all the, we got all the detail. We know Christmas. This whole month, the whole thing's about, you know, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Easter, again, the resurrection of Jesus. We all get it all very clearly. But then we got baptism. Where did that come from? Now, all we know about baptism is that John the Baptist shows up and just starts baptizing people. We don't know why. We assume God told him to do it, but there's no record that he told him to do it. In fact, Pastor Joe and I were talking about this uh, earlier. You know, you know, how come the Jews didn't think this was kind of weird? Right? We're going to go out there and stick people in the water and pop them back out again. But uh, uh, as I was looking at, did you find the scripture that I sent to you? Later, I don't know. That, that, oh, really? Read your emails. Slacker. So, <laughs> he's looking right. I'm going to read it to everybody, so shut up. All right? So uh, uh, look at John, the third chapter, verse 25. 
up on the big magical screen here. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew, we don't know who or what or why, but they were all arguing over the matter of ceremonial washing. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, that man who was with you uh, on the other side of the Jordan, talking about Jesus, the one you testified about. Now, now he's baptizing people, and everybody's going to him. So the context of it, all of a sudden, this particular verse kind of clarifies it. They really kind of viewed it as a version of ceremonial washing, which they had no problem with. That's why it was really easy for them. Now, it's different than typical ceremonial washing, uh, because in baptism, we're not really trying to wash anybody, <laughs> okay? In fact, the water gets pretty dirty after a while. So I want to be the first one in. But anyway, the, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not about cleaning people. Hopefully everyone's clean before you get in, praise God. So uh, uh, in fact, Peter writes to us in, in his epistle, which is a fancy word for letter. That's right. So, so it's epistle, it's a letter. Peter writes, hey, hey, this isn't about washing the dirt off you. It's not about what happens on the outside. It's about what happens on the inside. That's why there's not really a lot of ceremony to it. There's not a lot of fat. So when these people would do ceremony, and to this day, many very devout Jews will do ceremonial washings every week on Friday before uh, the Sabbath, or especially on holy days and stuff. They go, they got all their rituals and their washings and the lotions and all these kind of things. And so uh, they understood that. Uh, so I, I think that's why they were able to connect with this idea of, of the water and the water to them, is, as you can see, they're arguing about it, but uh, a version of ceremonial washing to them. And... Pastor Joe, after you know, tons of in-depth research and historical study, which is you know two minutes on Google. Uh, thank God for the internet, right? <laughs> Do you remember the days if you wanted to find something out, you had to crack open tons of books, not just one book, because if that book didn't have it, you had to go find another book, and that didn't, but you had to go buy another. One. You had all these big references and stuff like that. Uh, most pastors' libraries were just filled with all these big Yo Mama books. You know, I don't, I don't know if Pastor Alvin has all those big Yo Mama books or not, but I don't. <laughs> I have a computer. <laughs> Actually, if you go in the office that's supposed to be in my office, which I'm never there, uh, you'll see books up there. And they're more for a look than anything else, because I, I never. <laughs> they were left over from the former pastor, to be honest with you. He says, you want these? I said, sure, I need some on those shelves. So, so I'm, I'm an internet guy, you know, so I, I Google it. But anyway, my deep study of history here. Uh, Google this, and uh, where am I? I'm lost. Uh, history shows us that uh, well before the first century AD, that converts to Judaism were required to bathe themselves as a sign of entering the covenant. So that was that kind of thing. Now, my guess is it was much more intense on the cleaning, so that... It just kind of gives us a context of, you know, boom, what is this, this baptismal thing? But again, ours is different. This is different. They adapted to it right away because they had the history of, you know, the ceremonial washings and when people converted to Judaism, they were washing. So this idea, when, when uh, John the Baptist came along and started preaching repentance and then baptizing them in the water. Now, again, that's different because they're not cleaning. Somebody else is sticking them in the water. That wasn't what happened in the ceremonial washings and stuff like that. But all of a sudden, it's just this different, different thing. And we just don't know uh, up front uh, where this comes from other than just John starts doing it. Why is it a big part of Christianity? Because Jesus comes along and asks John 
to baptize him, which is really stunning. I mean, because we know that baptism is for, you know, a sign of repentance, what, what, what John was talking about. Uh, but then Jesus didn't need to repent, obviously, but still he asked John to baptize, which he didn't want to do at first. But, uh, you know, Jesus insisted, so John baptized him. And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So at this point now, uh, just like the uh, Passover, Jesus takes and, and all of a sudden brings in a whole new thing, which is communion. So the idea of ceremonial washing, Jesus comes and how he brings this into a whole different way. And it becomes part of the Christian tradition and, quite frankly, the Christian instruction. Uh, you know, they, baptized, they started baptizing people as these guys were arguing, how come Jesus was baptizing people? And John said, look, he has to increase. I got to decrease. The Messiah has come. He's somebody. I'm a nobody. And uh, so everything starts shifting now to Jesus. I, I think John must have, you know, we don't read much about John. But historically, and the way they reference it, he really turned the country up on its head. It must have been incredibly powerful. Now, he was an odd dude. He just lived out in the wilderness and wore like camel skins and he lived off of locusts. He ate bugs. He's a bug-eating prophet. And people go out to the bug-eating prophet and apparently when he would preach and he wasn't really warm and fuzzy. You know, not to slam, you know, Joel Osteen, but this guy was no Joel Osteen. I mean, he didn't care what, how you can feel good about yourself. Man, John the Baptist was, you need to repent. And he just brought the heat, man. I mean, he brought it heat. And, and even some of the Pharisees started coming. He'd say, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? I mean, he was like intense and had a big impact. And, and historically, as you read through the gospel, uh, and even in the book of Acts, they would refer to the baptism of John and everybody knew what it was. Even though it's just a, little, a few verses, really, in the New Testament, because the focus of the New Testament is not John, it's Jesus. But uh, this transformational character apparently was quite powerful. And, uh, and just, he literally, the Bible says he was there to prepare the way of the Lord. Again, it doesn't say much about it, but he literally had a massive impact on the nation to turn away from whatever sins and, and not taking their faith seriously to boom. Many people started taking it very seriously. And then Jesus comes along and people were having faith and people were getting healed and miracles were happening and and all that stuff that happened. So anyway, um, a lot of the teaching about baptism, oddly enough, comes later. It's not until the apostles start writing in the epistles and stuff, which are these letters to the church, the New Testament writing, where they start explaining what, what is this that we're doing? Because it's different then. We're not ceremonially washing. What's the deal? So Paul writes about this in Romans, the sixth chapter. And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now, if you put it in context, what Paul is talking about was Christianity comes and says, look, because of all this sin in the world, God sent his son to die on the cross for us so we could have forgiveness of sins. Then there were some really odd people, and there's a lot of odd people <laughs> in the world today. But there were people who thought, really? Because of all the sin, God sent grace? Well, then let's sin more so that God will give us even more grace, which is, of course, crazy. 
And Paul says, really? Shall we keep on sinning? So guys, of course not. That's not what this is about. And he says, don't you know, verse three, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? All of us now are getting this tie-in. Even though baptism started happening before Jesus' death, it's really speaking of this fact that we're identifying in, in the baptism, going into the water, uh, identifying with the death and burial of Jesus. Okay, and of course, then he raises us from the dead. So we're baptized into his death, and in verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So this is about a new life. The whole thing about baptism is celebrating, saying, you know, we're done with the old, and now we're gonna walk in the new. Our old man, our old nature, all that stuff, all this has been forgiven, and that nature, by faith, is being buried with Jesus in baptism. But, unlike actual burying, this burying is a little different. You see, the good news about when you're really dead, you're actually dead. You don't walk through the cemetery and have people pop up and say, hey, how's it going? You know, they freak you out, right? I mean, they're dead. They're pretty much done. Unlike that, this old nature of ours that is buried with Christ, it's still there. And it doesn't take long to be walking with Jesus and in your new Christian faith before you find out some of that old stuff. If the right buttons get pushed, out it comes, all right? This is where we struggle and people struggle and fall back into sin patterns and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it kind of confuses Christians sometimes and they feel really bad. And you know, sometimes they think, oh, maybe I wasn't really, a, I'm not really a Christian because I keep making mistakes and I keep falling. And no, no, no. All it means is you've got to learn to <laughs> keep that guy dead. And, and you do this intentionally by walking in the Christian disciplines. We've been reading, we've been studying Again, on our normal Wednesday night Bible study, we've broken away for it for tonight. But our normal Bible studies, we're going through the entire New Testament. We're going through the book of Acts, and every place in the book of Acts where it was about then that he wrote an epistle or something, we jump and we read that epistle. So we're reading, uh, we're almost done now with the, the uh, book to the Galatians, the first letter that Paul wrote. And uh, Paul talks about this struggle that we have. In Galatians 5, 16, he says, so I say, walk in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the other. They are in conflict with each other. And that is a fact. As much as you love Jesus, that old sinful nature is still lurking about. And it will fight you. Anybody ever sense this? <laughs> you know, you get really angry, you know. We have to make decisions at some point to do the right thing, but a lot of these things, there's instantly, without thinking, you react in the old nature. Why is that? Because we're not really walking in the spirit. We need to learn the disciplines of walking in the spirit. So, well, pastor, I prayed for three hours and I'm still struggling. Praying for three hours isn't what we're talking about. It's good if you're gonna pray for three hours, but that doesn't settle the daily Christian experience of thinking the right thoughts, doing the right things, following through on your faith, going to church, you know. You don't just take off because I went last week, you know. You gotta follow through on these Christian disciplines so that you can continue to walk in the spirit. And if you'll do that intentionally, you will find that you will be more successful than you fail. If you're failing 
and you're constantly failing. And you know, we've talked about this. You know, people struggle at different levels and you know, and we come up with programs and counseling and all these things and you know, and we'll do whatever. Man, if I got to dance in a pink tutu to get this through to you, I'll do that, which you really don't want to see. So we do these different programs and try to help people, because some people are really struggling, and it's not to knock those programs. If that's what you need, man, then do that. But the truth of the matter is we've got to be careful as Christians. The way to really get victory in your life is to learn to walk in the Spirit. If you will walk this walk that we're talking about and show you how to do this, you won't keep getting drugged back into these patterns and addictions and all these crazy stuff that you're experiencing. The Bible talks about renewing your mind. This is the commitment we make when we are baptized. I am leaving the old behind, and I'm going to walk in the new. But again, a lot of people don't see that part of it. They don't understand that they've got to keep doing these things. See, the Christian faith is gloriously and wonderfully different than any other religion on the face of the earth. But is that simplicity that kind of messes us up. For example, you want to be a Jew, you have got to study about being Jewish, and you've got to learn, and you've got to do the prayers and the rituals, and if you're a guy, you know, you've got to get circumcised, <laughs> do all these things, and you go through the rituals, then you can eventually convert. If you want to be a Muslim, you don't just walk in and say, hey, I'm a Muslim, how y'all do? All right? You've got to go through the rituals, and you've got to go through it, and you've got to learn. You want to be Buddhist, you want to be Hindu, all these things. You've got to go through the rituals, learn, study, give yourself to it, so that by chance of enough work and enough following and enough discipline and enough, that somehow you'll be able to reach out and experience God, which I would argue is an exercise in futility, because you can never truly experience God through your own efforts. The beautiful thing about Christianity is you start out by experiencing God. And you don't know Jack. You don't know anything. Now, some people, maybe because you were raised Christian, you know some stuff. I don't know, but it's not about what you know or what you don't know. You can without knowing much of anything. You're listening to me tonight. You're in Appleton. You're in Stevens Point. You're just coming. You're just going to somebody drag you to watch them get dunked or whatever like that. You know, and you don't know much of anything. I got good news for you. You can experience God. God will touch your life. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to reach for it. You don't have to meditate for it. You don't got to read a bunch of fat books to get it. You don't got to do much anything. If you'll reach out in faith and put your trust in Jesus, boom, he will touch your life and transform your life. It's quite wonderful. This is what we celebrate, all right? But you experience God immediately. You don't do anything. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You know, none of that stuff. It's by faith. When you truly get this, and it clicks in your head and your heart. And by faith, you put your trust in Jesus. Boom. New life comes into you. The Bible has different ways of describing it. Being born again. People talk about seeing the light, whatever. The reason we're here, why we do these things, it's not because we're all insane. <laughs> it's that our lives have been drastically transformed by Jesus. Now, we already experience God and we don't know much of anything. So a lot of people think, well, that's it. I don't really know much of anything. <laughs> but then they struggle. And they want to do the right thing, and they can't. And they want to do that, and they fall, and I want to be nice, but I can't. Because they're, they're not learning to walk in the spirit. You've got to now, now that's why we study. That's why, that's why you should be here on Wednesday nights. 
to learn the scriptures and why you should be in church and why you should be connecting with other believers to help encourage you in this daily walk. That's why, we, now we don't do those things to earn our way to God. We're already there, you see? But you can't just say, because I've already met God, I shouldn't do these things. If you, if you think like that, you will be a defeated Christian. Things will, just won't work out for you. You'll struggle. You won't really experience the blessings of God in your life. That's why you want to walk in the spirit. So once you make this determination, now you have to do these things. But it's different. And you do it with new life and encouragement and purpose because you know Christ and the spirit of God is in you, which is verse then I, versus I got to work and struggle and give and pray and chant and do whatever I got to do to finally reach God. Uh, it's, it's just a totally gloriously, wonderfully <laughs> different experience for us. I know when I came to Christ, I didn't really know much of anything. Uh, and even the guy who was sharing with me about Jesus, he didn't know anything. It's true, you know, I mean, after I became a Christian, started reading the Bible, I thought, wait a minute, that guy didn't know Jack. Because he was just making stuff up. You know, Bible says this, the Bible says that, but I thought, really? But it didn't matter. That's the, that's the power of the gospel. Even some people say, oh, I don't know how to share my faith, Pastor. If I don't know how to share just right, my friends won't understand. No, 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 this isn't about you. You can be dumb as a brick. All you got to do is share the fact that God loves people and that you can experience. That's what Jesus is all about. He can forgive you of all your sins and you can have a new life in him. That's what we're celebrating tonight. And it just happens that simply. And then we grow, then we learn. So as we're about to start out and we'll break away from the video signals and each campus will uh, do their uh, baptismal uh, service. Let me encourage you, all you guys getting baptized, what you're doing is you're making, first of all, you're obeying the Bible. Jesus said you need to be baptized. We need to be baptized. So you're doing the right thing as a Christian. And now I'm going to follow and do what the Bible teaches, what Jesus himself did, which is to be baptized. And it's not about cleaning the outside. It's about celebrating what's happening on the inside. And you're making this determination. I am dying to that old life. And I'm going to now walk in newness of life. But it doesn't happen automatically. You got to really determine, I'm going to be a devout follower of Christ. It's not a burdensome thing. It's not about rules and rituals and regulations and all this. It's about walking in freedom. But you do that intentionally. If you're not intentionally, and I say this to all of us listening, Stevens Point listening, Appleton listening, if you're not a determined follower of Christ and do the right things and do these disciplines, if you're not sure what they are, just keep coming to church, I'll tell you what they are. This is why, otherwise you just struggle and you'll get really discouraged in your Christian faith and the old habits will still keep its hands wrapped around your neck and you know, all these things in your head will just you know, keep tormenting you and stuff. If you will learn to read the Bible, pray, fellowship with other Christians, come to church, get involved, you will find that you will walk successfully because Jesus didn't come just to, so we could still struggle in life. He, the Bible says, he who is set free, who the Son sets free, is free indeed. We are free. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. That's really the cry of a person who walks with Christ. Is that old nature still there? Yeah. Will it pop its head up like a B-horror movie, you know, just when you think the character's dead? Will they come back to life? Oh, he scares the snot out of me. My wife says, really, you couldn't tell he's coming back? No, I couldn't. I believe the story. You know, <laughs> I always tell this story, but last time I was there, I, w I went to some movie. This is a long time ago. I was like, I know what you did last summer. Remember, anybody see this movie? 
Okay, it's like, it's like a B slasher murder, crazy cycle, teen killer flick. I didn't know what it was. All I knew was a version of Lassie. I don't know. We go to these movies, you know. Just, so we go and we're watching this thing. Zah, zah, the whole thing. And of course, at the end, you think the guy's dead, but no, he's not dead. He comes back and I scream like a teenage girl. <laughs> ah! In fact, every teenage girl in that place turned and looked, who is that screaming, man? It's embarrassing. Sometimes that'll happen. That old nature will pop back up. And even when you think, the Bible says, take heed when you think you stand lest you fall. Just about the time you think you got this, look, we all still struggle. I would like to say, as a man of the Lord, that I am free and I never have a problem anymore with that old nature. But I would be lying to you. But it's one thing for it to pop up once in a while and you beat it back with, you know, like one of those, what do you call those things? Whack-a-mole. <laughs> the Christian experience is kind of like a whack-a-mole. Get back. That's okay. You can whack-a-mole all day long. But if the whack-a-mole turns into ah, a big monster and controls your life, that's not supposed to be happening anymore. And the way we get free is we learn to walk in the spirit. This is about the beginning. But let's not forget that this is just the beginning. And from here on out, we need to, all, all of us, determine in our hearts and lives, we're gonna walk this thing through. Hallelujah. Amen, I'm done. Anyway, God bless you guys in Appleton, Stevens Point. You guys can break away and uh, we're gonna start baptizing people.